Om Gyan Timirandhasya Gyanan Jana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasma Shri Gurubhena Maha. Okay. All right. It is said, Krishna is everywhere. Also it is said, Krishna resides only where his devotee sing his glories. Seems contradictory. Please explain. It is contradictory. Everything about Krishna is contradictory. He's bigger than the biggest and smaller than the smallest. Is it possible? Is it possible to be bigger than everything else and also smaller than everything else? Not for you and me. It's possible for Krishna. That's why he's Krishna. That's why we're worshipping him. Because for him the impossible is possible. If he was just some politician or say, you know, some chief minister or something, then why should we bother worshipping him? There are so many contradictions which are possible only in the transcendental nature of Krishna. One of the, one of the prime characteristics of Krishna, of, of Bhagavan, is that he's independent. In the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, we find one of the qualifications by which Krishna is known as Bhagavan is that he is Swarat, which means Swatantra, independent. So that is a fact. But then when we get into the ninth canto of Bhagavatam, we find Krishna himself saying, hmm? ah, what is it? Ah, I just said it. Ah, Nahiya Aham Bhakta Parad, very famous. Aham Bhakta Paradina, Nahiya Swatantra Ivadvija. He said, Nahiswatandrita He says that, uh, this Durvasa Muni comes to Krishna and says, look, your Sudarshan weapon is chasing me. Can you tell him to uh, leave me alone? And Krishna said, no, I can't. I cannot. Now this term, cannot, has two possible meanings. In Hindi, at least, it's those two meanings, there's two different Words. Nekar sakta, how do you say? Nekar sakta, nekar paya. I couldn't do it, means I, I actually, it's absolutely impossible for me to do it. And then there's another meaning which means that due to some lack of time, or I wasn't, I was capable of doing it, but because of time or some social ramification, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go to the movie because my parents forbade me. Means that physically you could go, but because you felt the restriction of your parents so strong, then you couldn't go. But if you say, I couldn't go because uh, I had a broken leg, you physically couldn't go, and that's a different kind of cannot. So Krishna said to Durvasa, no, I cannot Forgive you, I cannot remove this uh, Sudarshan weapon from you. So which kind of cannot is that? Can Krishna tell the Sudarshan weapon to uh, to come and leave Durvasa Muni? Krishna is the supreme controller. The Sudarshan weapon is his surrendered servant. Or is it that Krishna says, I... Aham bhakta paradino, I am under the control of my devotees, I'm not independent. Nahi, nahi swatantra ivadija. Is it that Krishna is not 
capable uh, he is he can actually he could do but he won't do because just like the parents restrict the child his his the, the devotees would feel too upset so he can't do it and krishna cannot do it he has no power when he sees his devotees being offended he loses his power to control because he's controlled by the love of his devotees that, that is a more powerful force than krishna himself i remember when i first read nectar of devotion in the first chapter in the just in the very beginning it stated that devotional service is more powerful than god himself because it controls him So I thought, how can that be? If, if, any, if anyone or anything is more powerful than God, then he's not God. And so this sounds, this sounds contradictory. Sounds like atheism, actually. Something more powerful than God. This is supreme theism. No one has actually entered into theism unless they understand this principle. So don't try to measure Krishna. Don't bring a ruler. Don't bring a machine to try to measure Krishna. Is he here? Yes. Is he here? Yes. He's everywhere. But Krishna says, I don't live in Vaikuntha. Sounds contradictory. Well, it is. That's the fun. That's what makes Krishna so relishable. That's one one of the features that makes Krishna so relishable. Immeasurable, unpredictable, the most kind yet also a thief, a cheat. Even devotees who are fully surrendered to him and fully give themselves to him, he cheats them. For better or worse, he is Krishna, all attractive. So you can go and preach to all the people that you surrender to Krishna, he's likely to take away all your money and uh, cheat you, and he might even send you to hell, throw you down, like he did with Bali Maharaj. Unpredictable, whimsical. If you like, you can preach like this. But it's better to preach Bhagavad Gita, the somewhat understandable Krishna. Then when we get a little closer, we find, well, he's not so understandable. What to speak of Krishna, we can't even understand anyone else. I mean, men, for, for generations of throughout the whole history of human race, men have never been able to understand women, and women have never been able to understand men. And we're just tiny little beings. So how are we going to understand Krishna? Therefore, Krishna says, "Bhaktya mama bijanati." I can be understood through bhakti. I can be, I can be, a, yeah, I can be understood through bhakti. Eko bahu syam. Krishna is one, and he became many for the sake of exchanging love. Love is intense, and it's unpredictable, and we can't love intensely too many people. We may say we love everybody, but we can't. Have that intense feeling for everybody, but Krishna can. So, you've just stumbled upon uh, a, a paradox. Dvidha is the Sanskrit name. Paradox, contradiction. It, well, welcome to Krishna. You'll never. We can never understand him. He's everywhere. But, and he's where his devotees are chanting. Well, electricity is everywhere, so our scientific friends tell us. But we need some arrangement to capture and channel the electricity. It's 
concentra- concentrated and uh, and there's a particular device so that taking the electricity we can have sound amplification or some such thing. Krishna is everywhere but he is particularly manifest where his devotees are chanting his glories. That is the means to invoke and access his presence. Electricity is everywhere but unless we have the proper means to access it, it's, it, for, for all our purposes, it's uh, non-existent. Electricity is in the air, but as far as we're concerned, it has, we have no access to it, it's of no use to it, it's as if it was not there. Only when there's a proper means to access it, can we utilize it. So the means to invoke Krishna is chanting his glories with, with a sincere desire to glorify him. Krishna is also in our heart, so if we have any other desire, then Krishna won't come. If our desire is to glorify ourselves in the name of glorifying Krishna, then Krishna won't come. If we sing very nicely the names of Krishna with the idea that people will notice how nicely I'm singing, then the sound Krishna will come, but the person Krishna will not be pleased to be present there. But if we chant the name of Krishna sincerely with the desire to glorify him in devotional service, then Krishna being subservient to bhakti runs to that place. We can gain great inspiration from the example of Gajendra, who was just an elephant in the jungle. And although he thought, Ishvarohamahambhogi, I'm the biggest elephant around, I'm the big shot around here, he was, after all, just an elephant in a jungle. And in human society, who cares about the elephants in the jungle, what they're doing? So he went in the water and he got caught by a crocodile. So what? What do the human beings care about that? In the jungle, a lion catches a deer and eats it. What does it matter to the human beings? So a crocodile catches some animal. So what? We, you know, we have a, you know, our battles and our wars and our politics and our sports and our this and that. And we, we're humans. What do we care about the animal society? Now, Gajendra, of course, he was uh, in his previous life a great devotee. So, in this uh, difficult situation of being captured by the crocodile, he called out the name of Narayana, who instantly jumped on the back of Garuda and flew down to save Gajendra. So, he wasn't in Vaikuntha. He was where Gajendra was glorifying him. He left Vaikuntha. He rushed away because his devotee is calling him. Who is his devotee? A forest elephant. But Krishna immediately left Vaikuntha to save his devotee. So, that can give us inspiration. Who are we? We're just insignificant. But Krishna, he cares even for the animals. If they, if they, even the animals remember him, he's willing to leave Vaikuntha to come to save them. Gajendra, he hadn't done any Sadhana. He wasn't initiated. He wasn't chanting 16 rounds. He was a vegetarian and he wasn't gambling, but I don't know about the no illicit sex. Well, I guess there's no marriage in elephant society, so 
There's no illicit sex either. But he had a lot of girlfriends, that's for sure. He was a dull-headed, foolish animal. That's specifically was sent into the body of a dull-headed, foolish elephant for his mistake in not properly receiving Augusta in his ashram, in his previous life as a human. So even the dull-headed elephant, when he calls out the name of Krishna, then Krishna being controlled by the bhakti, has to run away from Vaikuntha to come down and save him. So Srila Prabhupada used to say about the Mayavadis, why are they trying to become one with God? The devotee becomes more than God. Be careful about preaching this. People may not misunderstand. Even the, see, the uh, even other Vaishnavas, they may, may misunderstand this. The whole, just like, Madhvacharya's whole preaching is just to stress again and again and again and again on this point. Vishnu Saravottama. Vishnu is above all. Which is completely true. But there's more to be said. Yeah, any other question? Even devotees have to face envy. So how to overcome it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just do one at a time. Is it related? In Krishna consciousness, I always require inspiration from seniors to perform devotional service. Even if, even if for a, even for a short time I don't get inspiration, I may fall down. So how to overcome? What was the first question again? Envy. Envy. How to overcome it? Okay. How to overcome envy? Well. I'm not sure whether you mean your own envy of others or others' envy of yourself and others. If one recognize, if we recognize that we are envious of others, that's the beginning of our spiritual advancement. Then we can take to Krishna consciousness, in which the envy, which is the perverted reflection of love of Krishna, becomes purified, and as we advance, we develop love of Krishna. So, how to overcome envy? Follow the process of Krishna consciousness. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. Follow all these processes. There's no separate process. The whole process is meant for this. If we perceive that uh, devotees are behaving in an envious way or their nature is envious, they're very difficult to deal with. If actually someone is... Uh, supposed to be a Vaishnava, but they have a contrary, a, a nature contrary to the nature of a Vaishnava. Well, I can only speak from my own experience here that there's, it seems there's very little we can do. We can, we can just hope that with the contact with Krishna conscious, they may in course of time become better. In the meantime, we may prefer to Keep our distance from such people. Of course, we may not be aware how much uh, we ourselves have so much egoism and are so much envious of others. So therefore we should seek the forgiveness of Vaishnavas for offenses committed. We may not even knowingly be committing them. 
as far as not having inspiration in Krishna consciousness, how do you answer that? I mean, how dull has one got to be to be not inspired in Krishna consciousness? Everything about Krishna consciousness is so inspiring. I think only a stone would not be inspired. If you go to a stone and chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, the stone won't get inspired. But a human being should be inspired. Everything about Krishna is attractive. So, just do it. Just do the process of Krishna consciousness. And because it's natural for the soul to be Krishna conscious and to be inspired in Krishna consciousness, then just by going through the, just by doing it, then we become inspired. If you think, well, you know, I don't want to chant any rounds and I don't read any books and I want to watch the TV and why am I not inspired in Krishna consciousness? Then you have to become a drug addict, that's all. You can't make any effort to improve yourself. Then you just take an injection and you get some euphoric feeling and go to hell. Not much we can do. But if you've come here and you're not inspired, then I'm sorry if I'm doing something wrong, but at least you can get inspired by the kirtan. You can put another speaker if you like, and maybe someone else might inspire you more. I know I'm not very inspiring. Yeah. You can translate that one, uh, no. That's a good idea. Why don't we have some more speakers? Presentation on Bhagavad Darshan. Not just the, that devotees should enroll more members. You want to do that? Then? Okay, fix a time for that. All right, then there should be a presentation on the Salem Temple Project. Varnashram, where's Mr. Varnashram? Sri <laughs> Varnashram Prabhu. That was actually one of the names of Prabhupada's disciples. He gave one of his disciples the name Varnashram. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, then. All right, so am I supposed to sign some Bhagavatams now? Okay, so I can do that. Please come. If you're living in Salem and you're not inspired, go and see Gokul Chandra. He'll give you some prasadam and make you, in, make you feel happy. Come, come, come. Something else I have to say to you. He'll give, he'll give you some prasadam and laugh with you and tell you about Krishna, give you some service. Yeah, give you some bricks to make, something like that. Hare Krishna, you'll become inspired. Actually, one devotee told me when he first came to the temple in San Francisco, he, he asked, he was just new, so they said, oh, send him to Jayananda. So he thought Jayananda must be a very big, important devotee. So he said, well, where's Jayananda? He must be, at this time he must be out the back taking out the garbage. So this devotee, he, uh, he found Jayananda out the back taking out the garbage. He was immediately amazed to see how effulgent and blissful he looked. So he asked Jayananda that, uh, how are you so happy? He said, I don't know, I don't have time to think about it. He said, you see that garbage can? Just pick that up and we'll take it out together. Practical engagement. We become happy by performing devotional service. Okay, anyone else going to take a Bhagavatam set? Jai! Hare Krishna!
You can have it signed by a direct disciple of Srila Prabhupada. Hey, tell them. There won't be many left in the world soon. Hare Krishna. So get your Bhagavatam signed before Prabhupada takes us all back to God. Anyone else? Only 500 rupees a month. One, two, three. More. We want more. What is that verse? Come on. Who's... You know that verse? What is that? Tripta. I'm always losing the verse. Nahi triptatma utama shloka vikrame. How does it begin? What's the first words? Vayam, vayam tu navi tripyama utama shloka vikrame. Ah? That's this. Look it up. Vayam tu navi tripyama utama shloka vikrame. Rasaswana. Look up the word, Vichiprama. Vayam tuna Vichiprama. Uttama shloka vittame. Swadu swadu pade pade. What is it? Yad Srinvatam. Yad Srinvatam Rasagyanam Swadu Swadu Pate Bade. The uh, sages at Naimesharanya said that we are not satisfied. We're not Bayantunavitripra, we're not satisfied in hearing about Krishna. So by giving you this book, we're guaranteeing you will not be satisfied. Dissatisfaction guaranteed. Because by hearing about Krishna, Shonak said that we become more and more desirous to hear more and more and more. So you can be dissatisfied that, oh, I have to hear more and more and more about Krishna. So we're dissatisfied. We want more and more and more people to come and take a set of Bhagavatam. For those of you who came without your spouse, they may be dissatisfied. You see, my husband left me here, went on a holiday, or my wife left me, went on a holiday. You have to bring them some gift to make them feel that you were thinking about them when you were there. Can you please tell us how can we become Vaishnava? How can we become Vaishnava after our completion? Satan Tamil. You might not be able to. We may even unintentionally commit offenses to others. Someone may misunderstand what we say or do. And feel of, and feel offended by it, as is described about Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, envisaging within his mind a humorous exchange between Radha and Krishna. He laughed. At that time, a Vaishnava who was uh, of a deformed body was present, and he thought that Rupa Goswami was laughing at him. And he became offended. Rupa Goswami had no intention to offend him. He had no idea of what was going on. But still, that devotee felt offended. So, we cannot totally prevent it. We may say, well, we won't live with the Vaishnavas. Then we won't, I mean, we won't offend them. But that also becomes an offense. Because that's, that's disobeying the orders of the Vaishnavas to associate with the Vaishnavas. So, we should be straightforward in our dealings. Akapat. It's an important word in 
Gorya Vaishnavism, akapat, without duplicity. Of course, with people who are not totally straightforward and themselves are duplicitous, we may sometimes have to behave somewhat duplicitously with them. So either way, we're in danger of offending people. If we're not completely straightforward with people who are not, because we feel that's the best way to deal with them, they're just like very unreasonable people, then they may become offended. And if we're straightforward in dealing with people, then they may think we're too blunt and they may become offended. So the best we can do is to be very sincere in our attempt to serve Guru and Krishna and other sincere people will appreciate that. Do the best we can. In this world there's always the possibility of misunderstandings. Srila Prabhupada even indicated that for the sake of preaching sometimes it may be necessary to offend others. Toward the end of his sojourn in this world Srila Prabhupada spoke to several of his godbrothers and uh, he apologized for having spoken so strongly because he did speak very strongly about his godbrothers and even put it in writing. Prabhupada said sometimes for the sake of for the sake of preaching, strong words are needed. Because actually there are all kinds of things going on. One of Prabhupada's godbrothers reinitiated one of Prabhupada's disciples in Prabhupada's presence. Which is very offensive, actually. There are all kinds of conspiracies against Prabhupada and, call, and Prabhupada's godbrothers. Not all of them, but some of them were, you know, they were, well, Prabhupada said they were envious of him. So Prabhupada indicated that in, if we're preaching, we may have to, to, uh, speak strongly even about Vaishnavas. Srila Prabhupada felt that it was necessary for the spiritual health of his disciples to warn them about his godbrothers. And Prabhupada's godbrothers, they became, almost all of them became offended by that. Mm. Uh, what is best? Yeah, yeah, this is Sri Vaishnava. So I do. Well, in the, in the Gorya understanding, uh, the two are more or less synonymous. So, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. Chanting Hare Krishna is Bhakti Yoga. Chanting Hare Krishna is Sharanagati. Mm. Why Krishna put, why Krishna keep, the, keep even the devotees in Maya? Krishna doesn't keep devotees in Maya. Devotee means they're not in Maya. If we're in Maya, it's because we want to be in Maya. Mm. Despite coming six thousand miles from a native country to better to better my practice of Krishna consciousness for the pleasure of the Lord, I still have anxieties about my mother and father's welfare, especially as they are favorable to the high Krishna movement. How can I take freedom from these anxieties? It's not necessarily a bad anxiety. If you're uh, anxious for the welfare of persons, uh, that, that's a Good tendency, not a bad tendency. 
especially if we are concerned with their spiritual welfare. Material attachment is, uh, of course, an obstacle to spiritual advancement. But even that can be uh, channeled toward Krishna consciousness. Just like we see here in India where family attachment is generally more strong than in the West. Many people who take to Krishna consciousness, they also want their family members to take to Krishna consciousness. And uh, in many cases they are able to induce their family members also to take to Krishna consciousness. How can we understand that we ultimately we have nothing to do with the uh, bodies that we have become attached to in this particular lifetime? And that comes by spiritual advancement. It takes time to develop. But one may uh, at the same time have the philosophical understanding that I have nothing intrinsically more to do with the jivas who are presently supposed to be my father and mother than with with any other jiva in the universe. With uh, On one hand we can understand that, on the other hand we do have some uh, close relationship with them and especially if they are favorable to Krishna consciousness we can maintain that relationship and encourage them to also be Krishna conscious. Hmm. Do you need light to read this? Then we can turn the light on. Hmm. What is the relationship between practice of spiritual life and uh, living in the form of activating the form? Yeah. Did you? Hmm? But you didn't read it in the mic in English. What is the relationship between practicing spiritual life and uh, cultivating the field or doing the Well, intrinsically there's no more relationship between uh, spiritual life and agricultural life than there is between spiritual life and factory work. However, uh, Srila Prabhupada had a vision of... Uh, Krishna conscious communities uh, based on Krishi Goraksha, agriculture and cow protection. There are various reasons for that. One reason is that Krishna himself lived like that. It's a uh, more natural and stress-free way of life than the Ugra-karmic technology-based way of life. In many ways, it's more conducive for Krishna consciousness. I'm not going to discuss which those ways are just now. You can ask Savyasachi Prabhu, who I saw coming. He's supposed to have some time to discuss all these points. So there's a point you can take up. That question, what is the relationship between spiritual cultivation and the agricultural way of tilling the land? There's doesn't seem on face value that there's any particular relationship between the two. That's a point you can address. Yeah, it's, you can say that. I, I won't uh, say. In the I the won't say it in detail now. Savyasachi Prabhu will discuss that in detail. Among the four yugas, Kali Yuga is made by the Lord for destruction. So, in such case, why should we endeavor for devotion? Well, you don't have to if you don't want to. 
But Kali Yoga is also the best age for spiritual cultivation. You can take to that if you want. In Kali Yoga it's very easy to be a demon and it's very easy to be a devotee. So, up to you. But if you want to be a demon, please don't be a demon here. This place is not... This camp is not meant for demons. I think you should be a devotee. Better. Mm-hmm. Can all the children be sent to Gurukura? Uh, for that we need to take lot of endeavor. Shall we give material education, the material basic education, so that uh, they can understand the spiritual subjects? Shall we teach um, the female children? Shall we give education for female children? No, uh, not all children are to be sent to Purukul. Most uh, may learn what they have to do simply by doing it. If most people are plowing the land, you don't need a complex education to do that. The potter, the barber, what's the point? If you're going to be a potter or a barber of having a complex education, so, uh, edu- this education, formal education is not meant for all. Women also in the natural course have one baby after another. They have home duties to perform. Okay. They also don't need a formal education. It's just a waste of time and a distraction. But everyone can learn about Krishna and Krishna consciousness. For those who are highly intellectual, they can study philosophical shastras. For others who are uh, engaged in other kind of works, they can hear Ramayana, Mahabharata, all these topics. This is what I've heard from Srila Prabhupada, how he envisaged society to be. In the modern age, the idea is that everyone should get an education because it's a highly complex, unnecessarily complex technical Based society, in which it's required that all members need to know how to work various machines, and you need people to design and manufacture different machines. But everyone's character is worse than the worst that was previously imaginable. So for all the so-called education, in the past the so-called uneducated person was much more cultured than the so-called educated person of the modern age. There's all this propaganda which makes people convinced that for for your own sake, for your own betterment, you have to have what they call an education. But actually they're just indoctrinating you. I hope you learned that word by now. How to work like a slave all your life. How to uh, be completely ignorant of, apathetic toward, or even inimical toward the actual goal of life, which is to be spiritually advanced. In other words, the whole modern education has how to make you a demon and go to hell. And these demons, they're so expert that they make it in such a way that people think that actually we're doing this for your own good. And if you don't give your children a good education, you're mistreating them. So it's often very difficult for even our own devotees to understand this because they're so brainwashed by the rascal propaganda of the society in which we're raised. 
So please read Prabhupada's books very carefully. And read them with faith that Srila Prabhupada is the representative of Krishna, who Krishna sent to this world. This Bhagavad Purana is brilliant like the sun. And it has arisen just after the departure of Lord Krishna from this world, accompanied by dharma, jnana, etc. In other words, when Krishna went, dharma and jnana went with him. Persons who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of this Kali Yuga will gain light from this Bhagavad Purana. And this Bhagavad Purana has been given to the world by Srila Prabhupada. His presentation of it and his purports, they are as good as the original given by Vyas, or better even for us. Just by reading Srila Prabhupada's first canto and the purports to that, which Prabhupada wrote even before coming to the West, we can understand what is the demoniac situation of the leaders of the modern society. It's essential to our spiritual progress to have faith in Srila Prabhupada and what he taught us. That is not blind faith, but it's it's very clear if we're open-minded that what Srila Prabhupada says is completely correct. Give me a first canto of Bhagavatam. (coughs) Not here. You don't have on the screen either. Yeah. Anyway, what I I just wanted to read as a sample, just to show. Kamasya nindriya pritya labho jiveta yavata. What's the next line? Labho jiveta yavata. Jivasya tattva jignasam. Then? Hmm? Narto yascheha karma. Jivasya tattva jignasam. Life is meant for inquiry into what's going on, what's the actual fact. Nothing else should be the goal of one's work. Life's desires should not be centered on satisfying the senses. So, we can read from that purport. Okay, let's go down to the purport. Yeah, read the, uh, read the verse. Let's see the verse. Life's desires should never be directed towards sense gratification. One should desire only a healthy life or self-preservation Since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth, nothing else should be the goal of one's works. So Srila Prabhupada's purport follows. So you just see if this is religious propaganda or if it's just a clear analysis of the reality in which we are living. The completely bewildered material civilized... Where's the Tamil version? The completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed 
toward the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification. In such civilization, in all spheres of life, the ultimate end is sense gratification. In politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy, and ultimately in religion or even in salvation, the very same tint of sense gratification is ever increasingly predominant. In the political field, the leaders of men fight with one another to fulfill their personal sense gratification. The voters adore these so-called leaders only when they promise sense gratification. As soon as the voters are dissatisfied in their own sense satisfaction, they dethrone the leaders. The leaders must always disappoint the voters by not satisfying their senses. The same is applicable in all other fields. No one is serious about the problems of life. Even those who are on the path of salvation desire to become one with the absolute truth and desire to commit spiritual suicide for sense gratification. But the Bhagavatam says that one should not live for sense gratification. One should satisfy the senses only in so much as required for self-preservation and not for sense gratification. So you can read that much. You need to spit? You need to spit. <coughs> so is this not an accurate analysis of modern civilization? If you look in various newspapers and internet sites, there are very, there's so many people analyzing the problems of modern society, but none of them have any idea that the underlying prob, this is the underlying problem, the quest for self for sense gratification instead of self-realization. But Srila Prabhupada presents very clearly with full realization, based on the Bhagavatam, what is the actual problem. And Prabhupada gives the solution also. But it's only possible to accept what Prabhupada says and to accept the solution if we are sincere to give up sense gratification. So, uh, we may find, or we, we will find that even within, uh, what is supposed to be Iskon Prabhupada society, there are people who th- directly or more likely indirectly think that Prabhupada was not correct in all respects. I strongly advise not to associate with such people, even if they are supposed to be followers of Srila Prabhupada, people who think that Prabhupada's books are not correct or that what Prabhupada directed is not correct are not followers of Srila Prabhupada, even though they may say that. Now, some of the things Prabhupada said may be more difficult than others to accept. This whole idea of not sending your children to the Karmi school is uh, a big test for many big test of many's faith. Almost all the devotees in Iskon, uh, well, even many of them don't even know that Prabhupada said such things or that, that he wanted guru calls. These things are not preached. Rather, we'll find uh, celebrations that our school has been ranked number one in the state and our team reached the basketball semi-final or something like that. Yeah, I heard this in Iskon Vrindavan, the announcement after Mongolati. 
our school team reached the semi-final of the state basketball championships and we won the blessings of all the devotees. Just complete nonsense. Right in front of Krishna Balaram. Installed by Srila Prabhupada. So read these books at your risk. If you want to remain a contented fool on the way to hell and a good citizen of Mera Bharat Mahan and all this other nonsense, then don't read Prabhupada's books. Please don't read Prabhupada's books. If you want to be socially respectable and your relations at least not openly inimical to you all the time, if you don't want to be considered a fool, misled, etc., don't read Prabhupada's books. But if you perceive that this whole society is just totally exploitive, full of misery, going nowhere except hell, then please read Prabhupada's books. Then you can understand why this modern education is so destructive and why we need to educate people in a completely different manner. Which may, as I was just saying, uh, yeah, it will mean uh, little formal education for most people. They can all learn to read, so they can read Prabhupada's books. But there's no need for so many engineers and you know, architects. And how many types of engineers are there? Marine engineering, chemical engineering... Uh, computer engineering, electrical engineering, it's just aeronautic engineering, uh, so many kinds of engineers. Just make a note and send it to the BBT. <laughs> There's an A missing here. Can you make a note? Many of the things, Prabhupada says, are, are difficult for people raised in the modern world to accept. So we can just tell some stories and forget all the nasty stuff, then everyone will be happy. And then everyone will remain a complete neophyte. And no, this is education. Prabhupada's books, this is real education. Anyone who's read Prabhupada's books is, got, is far more educated than all the big professors in the university. They're all fools, actually. Really, they really are fools. They, who is a... Mutal, is it? Is it Mutal or Mutal? Mutal. You know, they don't even know who they are. A crazy man means someone who doesn't know who he is. And they don't know who they are. They think, I'm a professor. This is my wife. This is my daughter. And they really think that's them. They don't know that this is temporary. Isn't that foolish? Just by reading the few lines of Prabhupada's books, you can be more educated than all these so-called scholars. This is the best education. Don't be fooled into thinking anything else. It's not possible to have any better education than this. Yeah, any other question? Yeah? What is most important in raising children in Krishna consciousness? How to raise child to a devotee? Hare Krishna, Janava, Devi Dasi. Not sure whether she's in Ireland or Poland. She was here in Salem for some time, right? Anyway, Srila Prabhupada said the most important factor in raising children 
in Krishna consciousness if the parents are Krishna conscious. Just teach them. Uh, teach them means just they will do what you do. You you chant Hare Krishna, they'll chant Hare Krishna. They'll be happy to do so. You bow down before the deities, they'll automatically do the same thing. This point, uh, the women not being educated, that means they don't go to the Gurukul. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily uneducated. When the snatak, the graduate from the Gurukul, comes home, he marries, his wife is generally considerably younger than him, and he has to teach what he learned in the Gurukul to his wife. That's the system. Maybe not in the same detail, but the essence. We find, for instance, in Shastra, this uh, repeatedly that Lord Shiva is giving the ultimate spiritual instruction to his wife. For instance, what is that? Rama Rameti Rameti Rame Rama Mano Rame Sahasra Nama Tulyabis Rama Nama Varanane Which means that Lord Shiva says, I'm taking great delight in chanting the name of Rama. The name of Rama is is uh, equivalent to a thousand other names of Vishnu. And the last word of this verse, Varanane, he's addressing his wife, beautiful faced one. He's addressing his wife, that's the point. Then there's uh, in description, what is the topmost worshipable object? What's that verse, well-known verse? Aradhananam sarvesham Vishnur aradhanam param tasmat parataram devi tadiyanam samarchanam He says that the most, uh, the topmost object of worship is Vishnu. But even more worshipable is that in relation to Vishnu, the Vaishnavas. So we find in this verse also Devi, he's addressing his wife, Devi. What is that? Bahavo Guruva Santi Shisha Vitta Paharaka Duralaba Sadguru Devi Shisha Santa Paharaka Again, Lord Shiva addressing his wife, Devi, telling her that there are many gurus who are very expert in taking away the money of their disciples. But rare is the genuine guru who takes away the distress of his disciples. So this morning I was talking about taking away all your money. You can leave here with no money. But you'll have your hands full of Prabhupada's books. And that will give you so much distress. All your friends will say you're crazy. But ultimately you will achieve the supreme bliss. Just by reading a few lines of Prabhupada's books, if anyone is anything more than a dull ass, then by reading Prabhupada's books he can realize that this is the greatest treasure. There's no treasure like this. There's nothing in the world comparable to this. Yeah, then? In Kaliga, the potency of Mayapur is increasing and other holy places are decreasing. Who said so? Why is it so and how? Why is it so? Well, that we read from the Bhagavatam, the in day by day, tatas chanudinam dharma, the first symptom, the first factor in Kali Yoga which is decreasing. 
चतुदिनम धर्म सत्यम शोचम क्षमा दया कालेन In Kali Yoga, day by day, by the powerful force of Kali Yoga, Dharma, Satya, Socha, religiosity, truthfulness, cleanliness, tolerance, mercy, lifespan, bodily strength, and memory, they're all decreasing day by day. You want me to go through that list again? Memory is decreasing day by day. <laughs> I forgot the verse also, as I forget most of the verses. Yesterday I forgot the verse. Today I remembered it. <laughs> yeah, so? By the powerful influence of Kali Yoga, day by day the following are decreasing. Dharma, Satya, Shocha, Kshama, Daya, Ayuhu, I, yeah. Bala, bodily strength, smriti. So the uh, dharma is decreasing. That that. So the potency of the punya stalas, the holy places, is decreasing by the force of kali yoga. That means the Lord is there, but our ability to appreciate Him is decreasing. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the uh, person, the Supreme Lord, who who is pushing back Kali Yoga. So his dham is revealed in Kali Yoga. And as the devotees perform Sankirtan there and perform pure devotional service, the potency of the dham is revealed more and more. That doesn't mean that all the other holy places should be abandoned. There are so many holy places here in what is now called Tamil Nadu. This morning I was talking about Gajendra. So in the south of Tamil Nadu there's the place of Gajendra Moksha, what is called the place of Gajendra Moksha. So like that, all these places, the temples should be nicely preserved, there should be devotees there constantly meeting the pilgrims and telling them the glories of the Lord who delivered Gajendra. I was just in Bharuch on the bank of the Narmada. That is the uh, place of Vamanadev's pastime of cheating Bali Maharaj. So there there should be a beautiful temple of Vamanadev with devotees uh, constantly reciting the glories of Lord Vamanadev. This, if our movement is to do its work, these are projects we should undertake. So many places of Krishna, Rama, Balaram, Nityananda Prabhu, they all visited so many places. There are so many great devotees. That Gajendra Moksha is way down in the south, in Tirunelveli district, I believe. And uh, there are so all the Divya Deshams, they all have... Uh, so many wonderful stories of how the devotee, how the Lord has reciprocated with the devotees. This should all be propagated. There's that one temple with the uh, three levels. On one level the Lord is lying down, one level he's sitting down, another level he's standing up. And yeah, there's more than one temple like that.
But that, and just at the side is the samadhi of Kula Shekhar Alva. So, uh, this should be, if there's education, there should be, you want to have Tamil education, educate them, who are the Alvas. And in that area especially, there should be school, special, big university studying Mukundamala. You could have thousands of scholars just studying that one stotra. So like this, there should be, the holy places should be revived. It doesn't mean that we just leave them as places for dogs to pass stool in, which unfortunately some of the temples have come to that situation. So fortunately the, some devotees are waking up to the greatness of their heritage and the need to revive and restore that. What's that devotee? Venukodi Krishna, is this? What's his name? Velukodi Krishna. Yeah, he's very seriously propagating the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya, doing what he can to revive that. Hmm. Among the qualities of the soul uh, given by Krishna in Gita, one of the qualities is immovable. Is that is, but the soul moves from one body to another body. Hmm. Does the soul move or not? Immovable. I, I saw in some uh, commentary that means in the sense of that his his. Did you read it in Tamil? In the sense that his, uh, his nature is unchangeable. He cannot actually have any association with material nature. Some statements of Shastra, if the, if it's not this, uh, Madhvacharya especially, he, uh, he emphasized this, that statements of Shastra, they should be understood, uh, in a manner that is consistent with uh, observable, in a manner that is consistent with, uh, how can we say, experience and what makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. In first count of Srimad Bhagavatam, Srila Prabhupada says, one can sit on the Vyasasana only after mastering the six branches of Vedic philosophy. But most of us are not expert in this. So how do we, how do we understand this? That would have been literally true in a former age when all these philosophies were still current in the world. We find, for instance, in the description of the pastimes of Rasikananda, that he was taught all the different Vedic philosophies and he would meet with scholars of these different schools and defeat them and establish Vaishnav understanding as supreme. And although probably we don't recognize it as we read through Srimad Bhagavatam, actually Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, it replies to and refutes all the misconceptions of the uh, various so-called Vedic schools. The basic misconceptions of the so-called Vedic schools are still extant in human society in uh, 
other forms. For instance, the idea that uh, reality is only matter, which is everything is simply constituted of atoms. That's not that's still there in human society, but not in the manner that it was presented by Karnar. Or the idea that we can, simply by analyzing the material world, we can understand everything that is to be understood, that's there in the form of modern science. So the idea is that one who sits on the Vyasasan should be able to present the truth and refute uh, misconceptions about truth. So the misconceptions in the modern age take the form of uh, modern science, modern scientific atheism, impersonalism, but not uh, not in the highly scholarly, sophisticated form as presented by the by Shankara Acharya and his discipular followers. So Srila Prabhupada as an Acharya presenting the absolute truth of the supremacy of Krishna did so by combating the prevalent Mis, or the, the misconceptions prevalent in society at the present time. We find that some, uh, it, yeah, it still goes on that the uh, few people who are followers of like Ramanuja school, Mad, Madhva school, Shankara school, they debate with each other on fine points of Vedantic understanding. But in terms of practically helping people to understand the truth, it has practically zero relevance to discuss in this way. I'm not saying that such discussion should be totally shelved, but for practically helping people to come to an understanding of the reality of Krishna's supremacy, uh, we have to address the misconceptions of which they are possessed not the misconceptions that some people in a former age were possessed of. I have mostly theoretical knowledge of devotional service and the spiritual world. How can we get realized knowledge? That's already been discussed. That's very practical. You go and see Gokul Chandra and he'll teach you to make some bricks for building the temple. Already discussed. If you want, go and do it. Does everyone in our sampradaya get situated in Goloka or depending on one's consciousness we may achieve devotional service in one of the four persons? Mixed question. <laughs> it's not that in Goloka there's only uh, one rasa. And it's not that outside of Goloka that uh, there's only four rasas. Although, yeah, one can also become a a maidservant of the Lakshmis in Vaikuntha. But by chanting Hare Krishna, one can go to Vaikuntha, or Ayodhya, Dwaraka, Mathura, Vrindavan. Seems the battery is dead. What is the best Vaishnava Seva? Whatever pleases the Vaishnava. Vaishnavas like to hear the glories of Krishna. Matyata madgata prana bodhayanta parasparam katiyantas chamang nityantu shanti charamantita. Devotees like to discuss about Krishna. You can do that. 
What is the best Vaishnav Seva? It may, it may vary according to the Vaishnava and the, the circumstances. And according to the ability of the devotee also to perform the service. If we think that, well, Hanuman was the best servant of Rama, he jumped over the ocean to Lanka and found Sita. Well, we may think, okay, I'll do that, but we can't. So anyway, do the basic things first. Chant, uh-huh. chant Hare Krishna. Krishna will be pleased. Krishna emphasizes that the most, so that's best for us. Kauravas, hmm. in materialistic mind, uh, people, they they all are punished by Krishna. But Pandava's side all, Pandava's side all are dead, but only five people. Only five Pandavas are left. Why? It's all the Kauravas were punished by Krishna in the Pandava's side. I don't understand the question. Can you, uh, do you understand it? I think it's uh, I mean, I can guess what it means, but it's not very clear. Maybe it's a good idea if you're not to uh, if you're better in writing in Tamil to write in Tamil. If you're not very, if you want to write in English, just put your name, then we could ask you to represent the question. Who wrote this question could please uh, take the paper back and present it more clearly. What is it? The, the Kauravas were bad so they got killed but the Pandavas weren't good so they should not have been, the, their forces should not have been killed. Is that the idea? Yeah. I guess that's what it is. Uh, I think the Kauravas, they, they were in materialistic mind and they were punished but the Pandavas side also why so many people are killed. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah, okay. Well, actually, both the Kauravas and the Pandavas were blessed by Krishna. But that was his kindness that they left the world in his presence and they all got liberated. But if we remember at the beginning of the tenth canto that uh, Bhumi Devi approached Brahma, who then approached Vishnu, complaining about the burden on the earth of so many demoniac kings, so, uh, one major reason for Vishnu to appear on earth is Bhubharaharam, to take away the burden of the earth in the form of uh, proud and uh, uncontrolled powerful kings. So, s- some of them may have been on the Kaurava side and some of them may have been on the Pandava side. So they got removed. How to balance time between association with devotees and services such as book distribution, which are sort of mutually exclusive? In, in Krishna consciousness, there's never enough time for everything. When we come to Krishna consciousness, our desires increase more and more. There's so many things we want to do. Who would like to visit all the holy places in India? Me too. Who would like to visit all the holy places outside of India? Which are the holy places outside of India? Well, some are in what's now called Pakistan and Bangladesh and Nepal. There's also New York, Tokyo, Sydney, Melbourne, London, the Prabhupada, Padankitasthana. They're all marked by the Lotus Street of Srila Prabhupada. Who would like to... Uh, we we can ins- we can have the program of going out on Harinam 
Sankirtan eight hours a day, every day, as was the engagement of all the devotees in the early days of the movement. Or we could uh, go on a permanent book marathon, 12 hours a day, distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. Or we could just all stay here for the rest of our lives and go on every day doing what we're doing for the last few days. So what shall we do? We should do all of them. But there's no time to do all of them. So how to balance our time? I don't know. I'll get off the Vyasa son. I can't answer your question. I have the same problem. I want, I want to just sit and write books, which take so much time, and then I have so many places to go and visit and meet all the devotees. I'm trying to make a balance by having these kind of camps where devotees can come, and so I don't have to visit so many places. Then I can have more time for writing books. But here at the camp, devotees are coming to me and saying, when are you going to visit us in such and such a place? So it, it may be that, you know, they still expect me to visit all the different places and have the camp also. So, and they always ask, and when's your next book coming out? So I'm also in the same situation. The answer, uh, I don't know. Do the best you can. Don't stop associating with... Well, bring more devotees out with you on book distribution. Then you can associate with devotees and do book distribution also. Sridhar <laughs> Srinivas Das, who's from a Tamil, Iyengar family, is in the formerly godless place known as Seattle, USA, which is also a Prabhupada Padangita Tirtha place blessed by the presence of Srila Prabhupada and he is very seriously uh, apart from performing his family duties which means working for some company among other things he's also distributing Srila Prabhupada's books there when I was a few years ago I went to uh, ISKCON in Los Angeles and I was introduced to a young man from Velo district from a Christian family who somehow or other had got, he wasn't a devotee, he was from a Christian family. Some, he could speak hardly any English. Somehow or other he made it out to America. He joined ISKCON in Los Angeles and was distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. How a soul which has knowledge in Brahman can have devotee association as the senses are not manifested there. Srila Prabhupada mentions in Nectar of Devotion that even a soul knowledge in Brahman becomes devotee if he gets the association of a devotee. How? Well, generally they don't, that's the point. It's a condemned position. Devotees are very merciful, so they might find some ways and means to waken up even the souls merged in Brahman. Narad Muni's going through space, chanting the holy names. By the power of his kirtan, even the stones can become awakened. Yeah. Is the soul and spiritual body together Engaged in material body. Soul and what? Soul and spiritual body. Mm. No, in the the spiritual body remains unmanifest during the time of material incarceration. Yeah. Mm. LR heaven, Emadudha takes care. Vaikuntha Vishnu Dudha takes care in Pusparmana. Question is if we go to Krishna Loka, then who will come to take us? Can I say the question? I don't understand the question. There's no question. There's no 
question of being taken anywhere if we're in Krishna Loka. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you say it in Tamil? Don't you worry. That's for Krishna to see. Srila Prabhupada once described that for a devotee, death is like going to sleep and then you wake up and you're with Krishna. Why Acharyas appreciate the preaching in Muslim countries, although the result there is difficult to obtain? As far as I know, the only Acharya who even made any attempt was Srila Prabhupada outside of India. The answer is right there in the question. Because it's difficult, therefore it's appreciated. Anyone who takes difficulty in the service of Krishna, that's very much appreciated. Once in, uh, must have been 1971, in a Pandal program in Bombay, one man challenged Srila Prabhupada. He said, what are you doing here? What are you doing in the Muslim countries? You're doing something in America. What about the Muslim countries? Prabhupada took up the challenge. He sent devotees to Pakistan. He sent Brahmananda to what is now West. It was all Pakistan at that time. He sent him to Karachi and uh, Gargamuni, his physical brother and godbrother, to Dhaka in East Pakistan. And that was the time of the Bangladesh War. So they were... Uh, it was not a, the best time to preach. It's not not a very good... You know, there's, there's, there were some horrible stories came out that they heard there. And, uh, yeah, they, they were lucky, or by Krishna's grace, to come out alive out of there. If you want to get a lot of mercy, here's a good way. Preach among the Muslims. India has, I believe, the third largest Muslim population in the world, so there are plenty here also. Maybe, maybe it's number two. Number one is Indonesia. Number two is India, and three is Pakistan. No, three is Bangladesh. Then, yeah, and four is so, and four is Pakistan. Then Egypt, Turkey. These are all big, but India itself has a huge population of Muslims and growing. Even as I spoke this sentence, there are also devotees of Krishna, and they're often. Uh, Actually, in most cases, in many ways, more religious. The average Muslim is definitely more religious than the average Hindu. Why chanting Hari Bol is not recommended during Bhajan and Kirtan? Well, it's not totally banned, but uh, Srila Prabhupada didn't chant it. And uh, he, on more than one occasion, stopped devotees from going on repeatedly chanting Hari Bol, Hari Bol, Hari Bol. Uh, he did state, for instance, that in Mongolati the kirtan should consist of Sri Gurvashtaka, the Panchatattva mantra, the Maha mantra, and nothing else. Yeah. There are many points about kirtan which Srila Prabhupada instructed, which are not very well known or followed within our society at the, pres at the present time. Madhavananda Das, when I came into the program at Ambur, it was about seven o'clock in the evening, and you were leading a enthusiastic and tuneful kirtan, but in the tune that should be sung in the Brahma Mahurta, shouldn't be sung in the evening. And also there was the dreaded two-mic system going on. 
which just in the last two or three years has become an epidemic in our society, so that everyone thinks that it's uh, compulsory. One devotee leads the kirtan into the mic, another devotee sings the response into the mic, and no one else sings, or if they sing, you can't hear them anyway, because it's drowned out by the sound from the mic. So it sounds like only two people singing, and you can't work out who's leading. In Mayapur this year at Gorpanima, during the Abhishek of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is conducted on a stage on the lawn outside the temple, uh, this two-mic system kirtan was going on. And I pointed out to some other devotees on stage, look, see how many devotees are singing. There are about 500 devotees present. Two were singing because even if you sing, it was so loud, you can't even hear yourself. So one person should, if there's amplification, let one person sing in the mic, and then everyone else will sing together. That is called Sankirtan. And we can encourage the members of the public who are coming to also join in, which we can't do if it's a two-man kirtan. Harishari Prabhu related that he was once leading the kirtan into the mic and also singing the response in the mic. And Prabhupada told him, don't do that. Only the lead should be in the mic. Oh, one more question. The devotees, those who are engaged in devotion, they also act in anger, ahankar, with uh, the ego due to uh, wealth, they act like that as if like uh, people who are not engaged in devotion. Why is it so? Because not everyone immediately on taking devotional service immediately becomes a Paramahamsa, including probably the person who asked this question. So, some patience is required. Once... Uh, No, I tell an, there's an, an analogy first. If you go in the hospital and you say, this is a terrible place, everyone is sick, that's not a valid criticism because at least they accept they're sick and they're taking treatment so they can get better. Yeah, okay, so I'll finish there now.